Well, this morning I'm excited. We're going to jump right in uh, to part two of our Christmas carols series. Uh, and what I love about Christmas carols is I was kind of thinking and praying about this message is, is that Christmas carols tell the story, right? They tell the story of the most monumental event to ever happen on planet Earth since the creation of the Earth. And that is that God became flesh and dwells among us and He came to be like us, one of us as human beings. And I love what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said, the Son of God became man so that mankind can become the sons and daughters of God. And that is what Christmas is all about. And when we sing these Christmas carols, and typically Christmas carols, we only sing them one time a year, uh, we sing these songs every year. They are just monumental reminders of the message of the gospel that the Son of God became man so that man could become the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. So look at that first point on your outline. So today's Christmas carol is a song that we just sung just a moment ago, O Come All Ye Faithful, right? O Come All Ye Faithful. And this carol, what I want you to see today is that this carol begins with an invitation, O Come, right? It's an invitation for us to come. It invites us to come to God through Jesus Christ, His Son. So let's look at that first line, that next point on your outline. The first line in the carol goes like this. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem, come and behold him. Born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. I started to sing that to you this morning, but Emory did such an amazing job, I thought I better not. That was amazing. So what a great job. Amen. So let's look in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2, I want us to reread the story of Christmas, Luke's account of the birth of Jesus Christ, and really get the message behind the music that we've been singing about today. The Bible says, speaking of Mary, that she gave birth to her first child, a son, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angels reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Look at this little phrase, Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. So look at that next point on your outline. The invitation of this song, O Come All Ye Faithful. The invitation of this song begins with, O Come and Behold Him. O Come and Behold Him. It compels us. Think about this. It compels us to move from the field where we heard about him to the manger where we can see him. We are invited to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to see him, literally, God in the flesh. Oh, come and behold him. 
It's an invitation that is inviting us to move from the field where the shepherds heard about him to the manger where they began to see him. Let me just share a concern with you today. One of my greatest concerns among Christianity and Christians is that we would become content by just hearing and we would never pursue to the point that we actually see the glory of God. Now, how many of you ever heard the Lord? You ever heard the Lord speak to you? Anybody ever heard the Lord? That's a good thing. I hope you're hearing the Lord. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I hope you're hearing his voice. I hope you hear the Lord speak. Maybe it's through a song. Maybe it's through a scripture. Maybe it's through a sermon. Maybe it's through something that you experience, or just the Holy Spirit speaking to your life. But I want to encourage you in something. This, this carol invites us to do something. It invites us to move a little bit further. The shepherds were in the field and they heard the good news, right? They heard the angelic declaration of the birth of Jesus Christ. But I love what the Bible says. After they heard the news, they said, let us go and let us see what the Lord has said to us. See, there's a go and see that we need in our lives today. We need to hear. But I believe hearing the voice of God ought to prompt us. To go and see the glory that God has declared. See, it's not enough for you to hear that God saves. You need to experience salvation. It's not enough for you to hear that God heals. You need to experience healing. It's not enough for you to hear the good news that there is breakthrough and deliverance in Christ. You need to take the next step where the breakthrough and deliverance that Christ has, you actually see it manifested in your life through the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. And so this carol invites us to come, to come and behold him, to, to draw near to him. And literally, listen to this, literally to begin to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. So here's my prayer. My prayer for us this week has been, Lord, let us see you. God, let us, let us gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Let us see you. Let us come and behold you, the Savior, the Redeemer of the world. And then the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, Keith, he said, what would happen in your life if you looked at me the way you look at Xander. Now, Xander, if you don't know, is our new grandson. He'll be six months old on the 23rd of this month. Christmas is going to be a whole lot of fun. And to be honest with you, our youngest, Levi, is about to be 21 in March. So it's been 21 years since we've had a baby in the house. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I kind of forgot what you do when you have a newborn. Because let me tell you what you do when you have a newborn. You look at them. I mean, I was amazed when, when Xander was born and we went over to the house, me and Kelly, Jessica and Ian, four adults sitting in the room, and all we did is look at him. Right? And if he was on the floor, we'd look at him. And if somebody was holding him, we'd look at him. And if I was holding him, I'd look at him. And when they laid him down to sleep, they'd look at him. And they just looked at him, and we just looked at him. Right? It's just crazy. I begin to think about how we just look at him. And even now, he comes over to our house. We got this little play thing, and he lays on the floor. And I'm not content to sit in my chair and look at him. I got to get down on the floor and lay on the floor right beside him, put my head by his head, and just look at him. And then one day, I don't remember how long ago, how long ago it was, one day, he rolled over. And we got videos and text messages, and we're like, whoa, he rolled over, and whoa, he rolled over. And it's amazing, he rolled over. And I thought, when's the last time somebody celebrated me rolling over? <laughs> Maybe when I'm snoring and Kelly says, roll over. That might be the last time. But I just begin to think about that. The Holy Spirit said, Keith, he said, what would happen if you looked at me that way? 
What would happen if you gazed upon my beauty, my splendor, my wonder, my life, the way you look at him? What would happen if you removed the distractions? What would happen if you forgot about the lights and the trees and the presents and all the family that's coming over and getting the house clean? Not that we don't do all that stuff, but what would happen if all those things just slipped aside for a season and we just beheld the king of glory? What would happen if we just really looked at him? I love what Job says. There's the story of Job, Job chapter 42. It's an awesome story. If you had not read the book of Job, you ought to go read it. If you need a job, it's not a good book to read, by the way. But the story of Job is really interesting. Job, in the beginning of the story, loses everything. And then Job has three friends who show up, and for seven days, for seven days, they're like the best friends a person can have. For seven days, they show up, and they sit there with Job in ashes and in dust, and they mourn with him, and they grieve with him. And they don't even say one word. They don't utter one word. It's called the ministry of presence. It's what God did a while ago. We just sat in his presence, right? He didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to do anything. Just the presence of the Lord. And, and there's something powerful about the fact that when people just show up. And for seven days, they just showed up in Job's life. And they ministered to him without ever opening their mouth. But after seven days, they, they opened their mouths. <laughs> And for almost the whole rest of the book of Job, they accuse Job of sin. Job, no one can suffer the things you've suffered and not have some kind of sin in your life. No one can endure the things you've endured and not have, not have done something to deserve the things that you're going through. And for the next 40 chapters or so, they accuse Job of sin. Now, flip the coin for just a second because for the next 40 chapters or so, Job accuses God. Of not being just, of not being fair, of not being righteous, of not being holy. He accuses God. So Job's friends accuse Job. Job accuses God. And after 42 chapters, God decides to show up. And listen to what Job says. He says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. And I take back everything I said. And I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Job said, God, I'd heard about you. I'd heard all about you. I'd heard all about you. I'd heard all about you. But I've seen you. And when Job saw God, you know what he said? He said, Lord, I take it all back. All the accusations... All the things that I accused you of being unloving and being unkind and not caring about me and not loving me and not being just and not being fair. God, I take it all back. I'd heard about you and I thought I knew you because I'd heard about you. He said, but now I've seen you and once I've seen you, God, I take it all back. I wonder what you would take back if you really saw him. I wonder what accusations you would take back that you've said about the Lord. God, don't you care? Don't you love me? Aren't you going to honor my prayers? Isn't your word true? I wonder what accusations we would take back if we really saw him. If we really got a glimpse of the glory and the splendor and the wonder of who he is. I want to tell you what will happen. It's amazing when you see him, your mouth goes silent. <laughs> see, I love in the Bible when people had real encounters with God. <laughs> Most of the time they fell on their face and they were speechless. <laughs> Because they saw him. Job said, God, I'd heard about you, but now I've seen you. My prayer is that we would see the Lord today. My prayer is that this season would be a transitional season in all of our lives where we would not just be content to hear. Praise God, we can hear his voice. 
but we would also be compelled to go so we can see what we've heard. God, I want to see the miracles. I want to see the signs and the wonders. I want to see salvation and transformation. God, I'm not content to hear about your God that saves. I want to see the salvation of the Lord as you set people free and change people's lives. May we be compelled to say, God, I want to behold the glory of the Lord. Now look at this next point because to me this is exciting. The, the invitation, the invitation to come and see is given to everyone. From shepherds who believe to skeptics who doubt. Let me tell you one thing I love about Christianity. I love the fact that God is not intimidated by critics or skeptics. God is not intimidated by your questions, by your fears, by your accusations. God is not intimidated by those things. God is not intimidated by your intelligence or by your education. As a matter of fact, God invites your skepticism. You got questions, God says, come on. You got doubts, God says, come on. You got concerns, God says, just come on, come on, just keep coming, keep coming. And it doesn't matter if you're a shepherd who believes what you hear or if you're a skeptic who doubts what you hear. God's invitation to come and behold him is the same. He just says, come on, come on, come on. And let me tell you what I've learned just this week about myself. As I was praying over this and thinking about this, the Lord just began to show me that there are areas in my life where, where I believe. I mean, I'm like the shepherds. I believe, I hear, and I believe. And I think most of us probably in this room here today, and many of you watching online can probably testify to that. There are areas in our life when it comes to Jesus died on the cross, Jesus rose again on the third day, and if I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I can be saved, born again, and live forever in heaven. Man, I believe that, and I would die for that. But at the same time, I believe there are other areas in my life that I don't. I can tell you there are some things about Christianity and Christ that I would die for. And there are some things about Christ and Christianity that I wrestle with. I, I wrestle with why, why wasn't that person healed when we prayed over them. I, I wrestle with why, why did it take that long for that prayer to be answered. And why didn't that prayer even get answered, God? I wrestle with some things. How much faith do I really need? The faith of a mustard seed, small faith in a big God moves mountains. I preached all the sermons, guys. I'm just going to tell you, there, there's, some, there's some areas in my life I fully believe. And at the very same time that I fully believe some of those things, there are some things I still wrestle with. There are some things that I'm still a little bit doubtful about. Not because I don't believe that God is God. I just don't understand how that reality becomes our reality and how we can do the works that Jesus did. Because, man, I want to do it, but I'm not seeing all that stuff happen. And so though I believe, I'm still a skeptic. I'm still a doubter at the same time. And, and let me tell you the good news about God. God doesn't condemn you. God doesn't judge you. And God doesn't push you away because you have doubts, fears, and skepticism. You know what he does? He invites you just to come near. Come and behold me. Just keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Because this is what I've learned in my life. I've learned that right now, right now in my life, there, there are some things that I used to wrestle with, I don't wrestle with anymore. There are some things I used to wrestle with, I don't wrestle with anymore. Because I just kept coming, and I just kept coming, and I just kept coming. And I just kept coming to the Lord, and I just kept coming to the Lord, and I just kept coming to the Lord, and I just kept coming to the Lord. I kept bringing my questions. I kept bringing my fears. I kept bringing my concerns. I kept bringing my skepticism. I kept bringing my debate before the Lord. And I just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And the good news is, is when you keep coming, 
you'll finally see him. You'll finally see him. Because here, here's the challenge. I'm going to go ahead and interject this a little early in this message today because I just believe that Holy Spirit said we need to. We all have, all, all you folks, especially all the young people, uh, if you've ever taken a picture on your phone, we, we have this thing called filters, right, Natalie? The problem is, is that most of us have a filtered view of God. And when you have a filter on your phone, it distorts the image or changes the image or clarifies the image or puts the image in a different light that maybe it wasn't really in when you took the picture of it. And most of us have a filtered image of God and most of our images of God have been filtered through our pain, through our hurt, through our disappointments through the setbacks and the struggles of our life. And unfortunately, we're looking at God through a filter. And we don't have a clear vision of who He is, but if we'll just keep coming. If we'll just keep coming, guess what will happen? If you'll just keep coming, God wants to bring us to a place where we have an unfiltered view of who He is. I'm just telling you, unfiltered is as good as it gets with God. He doesn't need a filter. Come on, somebody. It is the pure image of a holy God that we need to see that changes and transforms our lives. And so God invites skeptics and critics and doubters to come. Now, now let me just share it with you. John chapter 1. It says, In the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And he said to Philip, Come and follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida and Andrew, Andrew in Peter's hometown. And Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Look at verse 46. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip replied, look at this, Come and see for yourself. Just come and see. I love Philip's answer. Just come and see. Let me tell you what I know about skeptics and doubters. I don't have to debate them. I just have to invite them to come and see the one that answers all the questions. See, I don't have to debate them. I, I meet a lot of Christians that are intimidated by the thought of debating or discussing topics with other people because they're really intelligent and they have this education and they're an atheist or they're an agnostic. I want to tell you something. I don't have to debate the atheists and agnostics. I just have to invite them to come and see. The world is full of hundreds of thousands of atheists that are now Christians because somewhere along the line, somebody stopped debating them and somebody started inviting them just to come and see Jesus. If you'll just come and see Jesus, all your questions will be answered. If you'll just come and see Jesus, you can experience the hope of the gospel. If you'll just come and see Jesus, you will find out that the truth of who he says he is is real. He is God. He died for you and he loves you and there is hope in him only in him for all of you. Amen. And so Philip didn't debate him. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The Messiah, the Savior, you mean the Redeemer, the world's coming out of Nazareth? Philip said, hey, I know some people. Or Nathaniel said, I know some people from Nazareth. There's nothing good going to come out of there. And Philip said, just come and see. Look at the next verse. And as they approached, Jesus said, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathaniel asked Jesus. Nathaniel asked, and Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus asked him, Do you believe just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than these? Just come and see. 
I, I love the fact that when Jesus identified Nathaniel, he said, Behold an Israelite with whom there is great integrity. Jesus knew what he had said about him, but he wasn't offended by his disbelief. He wasn't offended by the fact that Nathaniel said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Not only did he insult Jesus, he insulted Jesus' parents, he insulted Jesus' hometown. I mean, right here in redneck country, that'd be fighting words, right? You can talk about me, don't talk about my mama, don't talk about Arab. Come on, we're going to throw down. Jesus looked at him, knowing what he had said, and said, a man of great integrity. You know why? Because Jesus wasn't offended, and he wasn't intimidated. Hear me. He wasn't offended, and he wasn't intimidated by his skepticism. And neither is he of me and you. He is not offended, and he is not intimidated by our skepticism. Your doubts and fears and questions do not bother God. He just says, come. Just keep coming. Just come and behold me. Just come and see. Now, let me, let me just say something real quick. If you are a real skeptic, and maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here today, and you're an agnostic or an atheist, and you think, man, Pastor Keith, I don't even know why I'm watching you, but here I am. Let me give you a word today. Let me encourage all of you today. If you have skepticism, and you know what? You don't have to be an atheist and an agnostic to have skepticism about God, right? We done talked about that. In our own hearts, we believe and then we don't believe at the same time. Let me, let me, let me just encourage you something. If you're going to be skeptical of God, that's okay. But you've got to examine Him honestly. If you're going to be skeptical and critical of the Lord, you've got to have an honest evaluation of Him. And what I mean by that is simply this. You cannot judge God... By Christians. You can't get an honest evaluation of who God is by the way Christians act. No more, hear me, no more than you can get an honest evaluation of a parent by the actions and decisions of a teenager. Let me ask you, how many of you ever raised any teenagers? Anybody raised a teenager? A few of you. Let me ask you another question. How many of you remember being a teenager? That's good. Do you remember when you were a teenager and your mama said don't and you did it anyway? Your daddy said don't go there and you went there anyway? Don't drink that and you drunk it? Don't, don't swallow that and you swallowed it? Don't hang out with them and you hung out with it, right? Do y'all remember that? So let me ask you a question. Were your parents bad parents or were you just a rebellious teen? So for me to look at a rebellious teenager and say their parent, his parents are horrible parents... That would not be an accurate assessment of the parents based on the decisions of a willful teenager. Let me tell you what a teenager and a Christian has in common. They both have a free will. And just as a teenager, you chose to rebel. Your mom said, don't do it, but you did it anyway. You chose to rebel against the will of your parent. So Christians, unfortunately, rebel against the will of God. We shouldn't, but we do. It's not the standard by which we should live our lives. But let's just be honest in here today. Every one of us, since we have been Christians, have still sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. I never thought about it like this. He said, Keith, think about the best Christian you know. Think about them. Y'all do that right now. Think about the person that when you think about them, they live the closest life you've ever seen anybody live on planet Earth to Jesus. Think about that person for just a minute. Go ahead and look at your spouse and pretend you're thinking about them. It'll make them feel good. Kelly's looking at me, ain't that sweet? <laughs> if y'all could see the look she's giving me right now. I don't think that's what she's thinking. 
Think about the person, the best Christian you know. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Keith, the best Christian you know is not a perfect Christian. The best Christian you know is not a perfect Christian. And if you don't believe me, ask them. Ask them. Go home and ask them. Say, hey, I was wondering, are you a perfect Christian? And that person that is the best Christian you know, you know what they'll be the first person to tell you? Absolutely not. Man, I still miss it. I've come short of the glory of God. I got mad last week. I've had some thoughts I shouldn't have been thinking. I've said something. I got in my flesh, right? I should have been in the spirit, but I was in the flesh, right? The best Christian you know is not a perfect Christian. So for you or I or anyone else to judge God by people is to not accurately and honestly examine God. So let me tell you how you can judge God. You can judge God 100% accurate by Jesus. You can judge God by Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Look with me. John 14, verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus said, if you've seen me, guess what? You've seen the Father. Jesus actually went so far as to say, I don't say anything unless the Father says it, and I don't do anything unless I've seen the Father do it. Jesus was a perfect example of God. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Don't look at the church. Don't look at Christians. Don't even look at the Bible. Look at Jesus. He is the perfect example. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The only way for you to accurately judge God is to examine Jesus. Because that's the only accurate way for you to get a true portrait of who God is. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what God thinks? Look at Jesus. You don't know what God says? Listen to Jesus. He is the perfect example. Now again, I'm not saying as Christians we shouldn't be a good example. We should. But only Jesus is the perfect example of who God is. Amen? So God invites us. Amen? All of us with our skepticism, with our criticism, with our doubts and with our fears. He just simply says, come on. Just keep coming. Because if you'll keep coming, you'll find the one who has the answer to every question. Amen? His name is Jesus. Look at that next point on your outline. I want you to see this. We're going to go a little further. The invitation that compels us to come closer, the invitation then compels us to come closer and go deeper. See, O come and behold him turns into O come and adore him. We're not just going to behold him now, we're going to begin to adore him. The word adore literally means to love, to respect, to value, and to worship him. Adoration demands a bent knee, a bowed head, and a submitted heart. How do I know that I'm adoring him? I know I'm adoring him because I've submitted my life to him. Adoration is love. Adoration is respect. Adoration is to place high value. It's literally to worship. The word worship means to kiss the feet. And so here's the invitation. Come and behold him. Don't just hear about him. You need to go and see him. And then once you see him, here's what happens. Out of your revelation of him, you'll begin to worship him. See, when you get a revelation of God, it'll bend your knee. It'll bow your head. And it'll bring your heart into a place of submission and obedience. See, a revelation of Christ will strip away the pride and the arrogance that keeps us from God. 
It'll, it'll, it'll strip away those things that hinder us from knowing Him. It removes the filters. See, it's that unfiltered image of Christ that allows us to see Him. And as we behold Him, all of a sudden now I want to adore Him. And there's this deeper longing now where I'm compelled to come to a place of submission and honor and obedience to the Lord. It's like Job. You remember what the Bible said there about Job? Job said, I'd heard about you and now I've seen you. He said, and I take back everything I've said. And then he says this, and in dust and ashes I repent. I repent. I change the way I think. I repent, return to the high place. See, when you get a true revelation of Christ, when you behold Him, you'll adore Him. And the way that you know you're adoring Him is that you'll return to the high place. You'll return from a place of doubt to a place of faith. You'll return from a place of disobedience to a place of obedience. You'll return from a place of fear to a place of confidence in God. You'll return from a place of insecurity to a place of God-given security. And all of a sudden, you'll return to the high place. When you see Him and you adore Him, you will repent. It's that revelation of Christ that produces repentance in our heart that causes us to change the way we think. Because again, we've got these distorted filters of God. We've got these filtered images of the Lord that are filtered through our hurts and our pains instead of through the revelation of who Christ really, really is. I love what Paul said in Romans chapter 2. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn, repent, turn you from your sins? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? King James says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's that revelation of the goodness of God when I see him. See, my heart is grieved. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I hear Christians talk about God and I hear people talk about God and they paint this picture of an angry God who is up in heaven who is waiting for an opportunity to strike down and judge the earth and destroy all the people on planet earth and how he hates the homosexuals and he hates the drug addicts and he hates all these murderers and liars I want to tell you something nothing can be further from the truth God hates sin but he loves sinners and if your image of God it's not an image of the goodness of the Lord and the kindness of God. Yes, God is just. Yes, God is holy. And there is a day of judgment and there is a day of wrath that is coming on this earth for those who have rejected Jesus Christ. But we are living in a season, a dispensation of grace where God has extended the invitation that whosoever will can come. Why? Because Jesus bore the wrath of God and the judgment of God upon himself on the cross so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And if your image of God is not the image of a loving heavenly father who gave his son to redeem you from hell, then you've got a distorted filter on your phone. And you're looking through the hurt and the disappointment and the disillusionment of your past instead of seeing the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible. Well, Pastor Keith, have you read the Old Testament? Jesus is the perfect example. What about revelations? Well, we spent a whole series talking about revelations. And yes, there is going to be a day of judgment. 
And yes, there's going to be a day of wrath. And yes, there's going to be a day of reckoning. But that day has not yet come. We are living in a day where the grace of God is extended. And He is saying, it is my kindness. It is my goodness. You deserve judgment, but I'm going to give you mercy. You deserve wrath, but I'm going to extend grace. You deserve to be destroyed, but I'm going to save you. And He's extended that grace to us. And it is that image of God. It is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And when we see Him, When you see his goodness, you know what will happen? You'll worship him. When you see his goodness, you'll worship We don't obey God because we're afraid of hell. Salvation is not fire insurance. It is a love relationship with God. I don't obey God because I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell if I don't. I obey God because I get a revelation of the love that he has for me. And I've never been loved like he loves me. And nobody has ever paid the price that he paid to redeem me and rescue me and invite me to come to himself. And when you get a revelation of the goodness and kindness of God, all of a sudden it turns your heart. And it's like, how can I not live for him? How can I not serve him? Lord, where are you going to go, Peter said. You and you alone have the words of life. Where are you going to turn? There's no one that's loved you like Jesus loves you. And it's that goodness of the Lord that turns us and produces this adoration where I love Him and I respect Him and I adore Him and I worship Him and I submit my life to Him. So, O come and behold Him becomes, O come and adore Him. I want you to look at one last point with me today. Because it goes a little further. There's an interesting twist here at the end. Because the invitation to come and see becomes a great commission. I want you to hear me. The invitation to come and see becomes this great commission that says it's now time for us to go and tell others. See, because once you have seen him, you can't help but go and tell other people. Once you've seen him, you can't help but go and tell other people. I love Luke 2, 17. We've already read it. The Bible says, and after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. They heard about him, and they went to see him. But after they saw him, they told everyone about him. Because the invitation to come and see, the invitation to come and worship, becomes this great commission that says, now that you've come and seen, you need to go and tell. And here's what's awesome about it. When you see him and you adore him, you can't help. Hear me. You can't help but talk about him. Let me talk about something I want to call effortless Christianity. Effortless evangelism. If you want to be the greatest evangelist on the planet, without ever having to memorize a script of evangelism, then look deeply into the eyes of Jesus every day. Because when you see him, you'll worship him. And what you worship and what you love and what you respect and what you value, you talk about effortlessly. Whatever's on your heart comes out of your mouth. 
Jesus said it, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So guess what? The key to effortless evangelism is not that I have to memorize five scriptures and a strategic plan to lead somebody to Christ. The key to effortless evangelism is that I have to behold him on a daily basis. And the more I see him, I'll become like him. And when he fills my heart with a revelation of his goodness, I can't help but talk about who he is in my everyday life without even thinking about it. This past week we had a little small group get together. We had our Christmas party with our small group and we were sitting around the table eating and laughing and having fun. And what was interesting is, is you know what we talked about while we were around the table? We talked about the things that were on our heart. Like, hey, have you watched that show on Netflix? Have you read this book? Have you heard that song? Did I tell you about what happened on my job yesterday? Did I tell you what the grandkids did? He rolled over. Did I tell you that? He rolled over. And you know what? Nobody needed a script. Nobody needed a script to talk about that Netflix show that they had just binged for 10 hours. Nobody needed a script to talk about their favorite song or their favorite book or their favorite show or their favorite actor. Nobody needed a script to talk about their grandson or their child or their spouse that they're madly in love with. Nobody needed a script around the table. We just talked out of the abundance of our heart. Now, let me just be really honest with you. Every conversation you have should not be, Jesus died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and you need to get saved. Every conversation you have should not be that. If it is that, you're weird. And people are going to avoid you like the plague. Okay? Your pastor said that. You would be weird. But here's what I do know. Let's flip the coin. Your heart needs to be full of Jesus. So that when the opportunity arises, and let me tell you, it will arise every day. Every day you will have divine opportunities to share the story of Christ. To share the hope of the gospel. To share the good news that Jesus saves, heals, delivers, redeems, restores, whatever it may be. Every day of your life you'll have divine opportunities. And it won't be all you talk about, but your heart needs to be so full of Him that when the opportunity arises, there's effortless evangelism. Just like you don't need a script to talk about what you watched on TV last night, you won't need a script to talk about how Jesus has changed your life and how good He is and how gracious He is and how kind He is to touch your heart. In your life. So I, I want to close with this today. I want to challenge you today, if you're a Christian, to think about this. If you struggle talking about Jesus, if you struggle sharing the good news of the gospel, and I'm not talking about going out and knocking on the door. We actually do that here at Liberty Church. I believe that's a good thing. We do knock on doors and we share the gospel. But I'm not talking about a strategic evangelistic event. I'm talking about effortless evangelism. If you struggle on a day-to-day -day basis sharing the hope of the gospel that you have found in Christ, then I want to challenge you with a thought today. If you struggle sharing, it's probably because you're not clearly seeing If you struggle sharing, it's probably because you're not clearly seeing Him. And your filter's been distorted. 
And maybe you're looking at God through some pain. Maybe you're looking at God through some disappointment. Maybe you're looking at God through some grief. Maybe you're looking at God through a filter of unanswered prayer. Or through a rebellious child. Or through a disobedient spouse. Or through the stronghold of addiction. But you struggle sharing Him because you have somehow lost sight of Him. And my prayer today is that today God would remove the filters. That we would get an unfiltered view of Jesus. That we would see Him for who He is. That we would see Him for who He is. And when we see Him, it'll be easy to talk about Him. Because I can effortlessly share what I wholeheartedly love. It's not a problem. So I want us just to bow our heads today. And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, that's me. I've been struggling. I, I really, I used to talk a lot about the Lord. I used to, I used to see those divine opportunities every day, and it's been a while. Maybe, maybe it's been a long time. Maybe it's something recently, but you're recognizing that the struggle to share the story of Christ has become harder. I want you just right now just to pray and say, God, remove the filters off my eyes. God, give me an unfiltered view of you today. Lord, I don't want to look at you through disappointment of yesterday or grief or sorrow or unanswered prayer. I want to look at you through the eyes of Christ. I want to see you clearly today. Remove the filters. And I believe that right now God will just strip away those things. Maybe like Job, maybe you need to say, God, I take back all those things I've said. Please forgive me. And in dust and ashes, Lord, today we repent. God, we confess that we've sinned and come short of the glory of God. God, we've allowed bitterness and resentment and disappointment to filter our view of you. But Lord, today, no longer, Lord, we confess it. God, we confess that we've judged you by the way other people have treated us. We confess that we've judged a God who is eternal by a natural timetable and you haven't worked as fast as we wanted you to work and we, we thought you weren't working because we judged an eternal God by a temporal time clock and so Lord we ask you to forgive us Lord remove the filter God give us an unfiltered view of you today God because we want to see you because Lord we know that we were created to share you the, the beginning line of the song said oh come all you faithful joyful and triumphant let me tell you how you experience joy. You experience joy by seeing Him. In His presence is the fullness of joy. And at His right hand is pleasure forevermore. The way you experience triumph is the Bible says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. If you want to walk in victory, you've got to start sharing the story. You've got to start telling somebody about what He has done. That's where victory comes from. It's, it's the confession of your mouth. It's the testimony of your lips declaring the goodness of God in a world that needs to know Him. So right now, I just encourage you, just do some business with the Lord. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you realize, Pastor Keith, I don't even know Him. Maybe I've been a skeptic my whole life. Maybe, maybe I've judged God unfairly. Maybe I've been so critical of Him and I've, I've looked at Him through the eyes of other people. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you say, today I want to know Him. Maybe today for the first time in your life you've seen him clearly and you realize he's a good father that loves you. And he's not against you. He's inviting you just to come. 
that's you this morning and you've never really come to Christ and today you want to come to Him as your Lord and your Savior. If you're here in person, I just want you to raise your hand. If you're watching online, if you're on an online campus, there's a little hand there. You can just click on it and raise it. If you're watching on social media, you can just type, I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. But if you're here today, you say, Pastor Keith, I want to raise my hand. I want to accept Christ. Maybe today for the first time I've really seen Him. And I want to accept Him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. I'm going to ask everybody in the room here today just to pray with me. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe. I ask you to forgive me. judging you based on other people. I believe you are good. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Christmas. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Amen. You are dismissed.